0: we never heard from him again. No letter, no call, no contact. That's very possible. That played a leading role in what happened.
1: Oh, Here we go, 2751, five, 556, five, five, 57. Five, this is it. I think
2: it's an incredible story. I guess I kept wondering why everybody didn't address
0: the elephant in the room.
1: I'm Brian Dolan, and this is The Grandfather Effect. Hey there, it's Brian. I want to hit pause on this episode to ask you for two quick favors. First, don't forget to subscribe to and follow this podcast so you never miss an episode. And second, would you consider sharing the grandfather effect with a few of your friends? You know, word of mouth marketing is the best thing out there. And if you like what you hear, we'd be so grateful for you to help us spread the word about the grandfather effect. Tell your friends to find out more information at moodyradio.org slash grandfather. Again, moodyradio.org slash grandfather. Thanks. Let's get back to the episode. Let's go back in time for a second. When it was first conceived in the 1790s, Cleveland's public square quietly served its purpose as the center of city life, a destination for the monument and the monumental the spontaneous and the scheduled. Now, flash forward to April 28, 1865. We're in the same spot, Cleveland's public square. Shortly after arriving by train, a lead-lined solid walnut box with sterling silver handles was carefully lowered into a horse-drawn carriage. Despite its beauty and craftsmanship, it was covered that day by a large black silk cloth. It was draped as a solemn expression of mourning. By 9.15 a.m., that horse-drawn hearse arrived at Public Square. It was carrying a body, the dead body of President Abraham Lincoln. Where else in Cleveland would you hold a public viewing for the slain president? It rained all day. At times, there was a downpour And yet, two moving lines of mourners passed by Lincoln's body all day long. By 6 p.m., 90,000 people had waited their turn to spend a few moments paying their respects. At the time, the population of Cleveland was only about 43,000. Then there was April 29th, 1879. Inventor Charles F. Brush was an educated Clevelander. He was particularly fascinated with electricity and would eventually invent something called an arc lamp. It supposedly burned as bright as 4,000 candles. Now, clearly nobody would want what's basically a spotlight in their living room. But what if cities could use his invention to light up their streets at night? So in a brilliant marketing stunt that garnered international attention, Charles Brush conducted a public demonstration of what would become known as streetlights. Now, where did he choose to stage this dramatic moment? Public Square, of course. And soon Cleveland became the first city in America with electric streetlights. So on another April morning, over 130 years later, I found myself circling that same place, Public Square, in search of a different kind of history and a parking spot.
2: Continue on East 9th
1: Street. If you've gotten this far in this series, you know I'm trying to unravel a mystery. Why in the world would my grandpa Tom disown us over something as trivial as a birthday card? I've quizzed my parents at length. I developed some theories. But there are so many missing pieces, far too many to draw any reliable conclusions. I need more information. Your destination is on the right. And after a little digging online, I found something. Apparently, an obscure book published in 1923 called History of Minneapolis, Gateway to the Northwest included a brief biographical sketch of my great-grandfather, Oscar Henry Dolin. And, as the Lord would have it, the Cleveland Public Library supposedly has a copy. And the main library complex is just around the corner from Public Square. Before I knew it, I was wandering in the front door of the library with information about the book printed out on a piece of paper. Now, a long time ago, in an elementary school far, far away, I'd learned how to use the Dewey Decimal System. But that skill, it was gone. I'd need help to decode the coordinates of the book. Hey there, hoping you can help me with something. I've got a particular book I'm looking for. I don't even know where to start to go find it. It's a a, a history book, I guess, in the history wing or something? Sixth floor of this building, okay. I hurried across the large atrium to the elevators. It made my way to the sixth floor. Of course, being completely inept at finding library books, I was immediately lost, again. After more help from another librarian, I discovered that the book wasn't shelved in an area open to the public. So I waited while they graciously fetched me the book that likely hadn't been touched in at least 50 years, if ever. The book was organized in three enormous volumes. The first was an exhaustive, orderly examination of the history of the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. A page-turner, I'm sure. But oddly, Volumes 2 and 3 were composed entirely of brief biographical profiles of influential residents of the city. Thousands of people. And, on pages 565 and 566 of Volume 2, there it was. 375 words about my great-grandfather, Oscar Henry Dalin. Sure, that's not much, but it's about 370 more words than my dad could recite about him. Here's a taste of what it said. A native of Minneapolis, his birth occurred on the 21st of December, 1885, a son of John and Margaret Dahlen, both natives of Sweden. Upon putting his textbooks aside, he secured a job in the printing office of the Tribune and was in that employ most of the time until he started in business on his own account. He established his present business in 1903, and in 1914, it was incorporated under the name of the O.H. Dahlen Printing Company. He has always been president, and his executive ability and keen business foresight and sagacity have been prime factors in its continued success. Mr. Dolan has given his staunch support to the Republican Party and the principles for which it stands. Mr. Dolan has gained a reputation for straightforward business dealings and civic loyalty, and no man in the city is more highly esteemed for his integrity and sterling worth. Those are bold words. Was that truly his reputation in the city of Minneapolis? And who wrote them? Or did he write and submit them himself? I sure hope not. No man in this city is more highly esteemed for his integrity and sterling worth. Apparently, in the 1920s, it wasn't necessary to publish attribution for biographical sketches in books like this. Other than the editor of the first volume, no credit is given as to who wrote the other two. In the end, we can't know for sure what role Oscar played in writing his own biographical sketch. I've learned a lot, but this doesn't bring me any closer to solving the mystery of the birthday card disownment. As far as I can see it, I've only got one option left. My uncle is in his 70s and still lives in the Minneapolis area. I haven't spoken to him in at least 10 years, probably closer to 15. But make no mistake, Tom Jr. is a great guy. I've only spent time with him on a few occasions, but have wonderful memories, a sense of humor and jovial personality For whatever reason, he and my dad just aren't that close. But as you heard my mom say in the last episode, it's her impression that Tom Jr. and his two daughters saw Grandpa Tom regularly. The only way to learn more about him is to break a decade of silence and see if he talked to me and convince him to let me record the conversation. But how do you just pick up a phone and quiz your long lost uncle about his personal life, his dad? Isn't that a conversation that's better had in person? Face to face? So, with both skill and finesse, I wrangled my inner cheapskate and secured a flight to Minneapolis. And with an equal measure of linguistic gymnastics, I persuaded my uncle and two cousins to meet with me over breakfast to talk about Grandpa Tom. My parents were out of town, so I commandeered their house as our designated meeting place. The morning of our get-together, I decided to do some reflecting before everyone arrived. It's 847 on Saturday, February 15th. This is the day. And as awkward as it is, I, I can't believe I'm here. I'm sitting in my parents' kitchen in Burnsville, Minnesota. Got in last night, awkwardly tried to put together a brunch because I've got my two cousins and my uncle coming over and my brother in a little bit over an hour to sit through and talk about all these things. I've got a lot of nervous energy. I honestly don't know what I'm going to find out. I would hope that the explanation is simple. And when I say simple, I hope that the explanation is that he just wasn't a nice person. Wouldn't that be the easiest thing? That he just was kind of callous and uncaring, and that just explains the whole thing. I'm a little fearful that we're going to discover that he was heartbroken or confused. You know, Lord, I just pray that you'd give me the wisdom to know what to say, the demeanor to be kind and gentle and respectful and honoring of my grandfather and any possible family conflict I'll uncover. And Lord, I ask that you might bring us some answers, if it's possible. That's me, nervously whistling while I finish cooking sausages. I was about to discover that the only real awkwardness was me.
0: Hello, hello. Good, how are you? Well, hey. hey. Hi, how are you? Uh, Hi. Nice to see you. Oh, yes. you're
1: welcome. You see, my cousins Nicole and Kelly are gracious, oh. kind, successful, and intelligent women. Without any difficulty, we settled into casual conversation. We laughed, we got caught up. My uncle wasted no time cracking jokes, and my brother was chattier than usual. I gotta get breakfast out of the oven here. After about 30 minutes of this, I could tell that everyone started wondering when I'd get on with it. I took the hint, put the recorder in the middle of the table, and managed to squeeze out some sort of cumbersome transition. They're not known for their good teeth. So thank you for letting me pick your brains and stuff for this stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: I appreciate it.
0: What's the backstory? I mean, what? Okay, good. This
1: <laughs> good. So
2: you need a backstory.:
1: So <clears throat> the, the backstory was what? it was probably like five or six years ago. You don't even <laughs> you don't know. What he, he barely showed up today. I don't even know what he. Said. <laughs> so uh, we, we were, we were at like, like at a rental house in a lake somewhere with his family, my family and my parents, and we put all the kids to bed and we're sitting around staring at our phones, not saying anything.
2: Yeah, isn't that the norm now? Yeah. I hate it. And I was
1: like, well, I'm going to start a conversation here. I'm going to try to get this guy to say something. (laughs) And so I just go, I look at my dad and go, all right, dad, I'd like to hear your parents' love story. How did they meet each other? He goes, I don't know. And I was like, okay, well, that's not not an acceptable answer. Yeah, right. That is a good story. You you should know. Do you know? I said, how did they, okay, now I'm moving (laughs) this over here.
2: Your turn,
1: Dad. Because I said, that's not an acceptable answer. How do you not know how your parents met? Where did and Tom meet? I, well, it's a great question. I don't know. Did they not talk about it?
0: Uh, no, they never talked about it. I guess we were not inquisitive enough to ask, but, um, you know, he came back from the war, and they lived um, in an apartment down on Bryant. And, uh, but they met
1: before the war, right?
0: Yeah, there's some pictures here. Yeah. I, you might find some of these interesting.
1: Oh, definitely <laughs> will, yeah. Most of
0: them are war pictures and grandma. And, but I don't I don't
1: remember the story. Did they meet at a dance or at a, I don't know. Do you know your parents' story? I don't story? know. They met on a blind date.
2: They met on a blind date. Mm-hmm.
1: I know my parents' love story. As you heard, my cousins quickly declared their parents' love story in unison. But my dad and his brother have no idea how their parents met. So strange. But maybe he knows more than my dad about their grandfather, Oscar Henry Dollin.
0: His dad, Oscar, started the printing company. I think did very well. He had a place, uh, a cabin up north, wherever up north is. And I never got that. (laughs) They take a big car with a running board in the side and the dog and the tire. And he he and, you know, Grandma Helen was his wife. And uh, Oscar always had money well thought of in Minneapolis and the cops always stopped there for hot coffee he'd always take he's right in Glenwood It's where a Target Center is now I never met my uh,
1: grandfather he died in 37 I believe is what it was really yeah he was
0: young I think maybe 50
1: or something I, I I don't know what he was I never met him so what do you know about Oscar anything no like nothing. zilch
0: nothing other than the name and I mean it's sad but I mean oh yeah grandfather well there were never
1: any pictures of the cabin or up north or So did people share that with you or like Thompson out I'm gonna tell you about our story? No. No reminiscing. No picture of their family legacy. Was it that Oscar was cold and disconnected and passed that on to his sons? Clearly my uncle didn't know. The next step would be to see what he can recall about his own dad. Starting with the printing company he and his brother Marshall inherited after their dad Oscar passed away unexpectedly at a young age.
0: It's 41 Glenwood, we'd go down there and play and Bill and I would run around the back and steal pencils. And so my dad took care of the books and employees and that stuff and Marsh was more the guy stirring up business. And okay. Worked with customers and very successful at it. And he uh, One of his best friends was Ray Nelson and Ray Nelson was the car uh, manager at Warren Cadillac. And we always had Cadillacs. He always said, "Tom, I got a great one." And I was used car, look brand new. So then we, uh, or he decided, he and Mom decided to buy a travel trailer, sixteen foot Chasta trailer, one of the pull behinds. Put a bumper on your car. Had some great trips. Well, that was predicated because we went on vacations out west and stuff. Spent so much money on hotels. I mean, they just both was <coughs> choked back in the fifties because Bill and I was in the late fifties. We both complained, I remember I always complained because uh, it would take me away from baseball, mm-hmm. going on these trips, so now I look at them, I go, jeez, oh, why well, didn't, know. they were wonderful trips.
1: What and was the car don't... ride like when you were driving for weeks?
0: Car ride? Oh. We...
1: Everybody's just sitting there silent?
0: Oh, playing games in the back or beating each other up or, you know, doing something,
1: but. Mm-hmm. So was it your mom had you do that or your dad did? I think my mom.
0: She liked to She travel. was
1: more the uh, the director. <laughs> You're always
0: afraid of your dad getting mad, but she was a disciplinarian. Bill and I'd chase around the dining room. I don't know if you remember. You were never at our house, I don't remember. But There's a dining room and a table. It's the table I have now. But we'd run around and on a Saturday, and I'd just chase and make him cry. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was outside, and then he'd come in and go, <laughs> and just tear me into one. And, uh,
1: because my dad has no memory of your dad like raising his voice or anything.
0: He rarely did. He kind of gave you the look, like "Oh my God, he's going to hit me with a pipe or something." But uh, he—he was—he was pretty mellow. And uh, he would never give us the car. Get your license. You go, oh, Dad. Can I get the car? No, I may need to go to the store. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Eight o'clock at night. You go in the store. Well, I don't know. maybe
2: you never know.
0: Your mom and I may need it. We're going to go where the Wallace's. Uh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they were good parents and providing and. I always had money. I get a kick out of you I'd write my mom a check every Saturday or something for like that was her allowance. He'd write a check. They never never exchanged cash What well,
1: he wrote her a check. That's great. All right, honey. I swore it was a check and hundred was $100. To, to Betty
0: down and uh I don't know, maybe it was seventy dollars or something. It's supposed to last two weeks. Well she gets her hair done. What's that, thirty five bucks? Well there it goes. And then uh, it's supposed to buy groceries or you know, I don't know how she did it. She yeah. She bought the groceries. He didn't know. He was like a typical guy. He'd just sit in the car and wait for her to come out. But um,
1: yeah, he was like that classic 1950s thing. My my dad was saying it's like the you know you come home from work you read the paper. Oh yeah, stop doing that, kids. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So it's not just my dad. My uncle Tom has vague recollections of their childhood, that include mom as the disciplinarian, and dad is rather disconnected. Nothing new there. Maybe the memories of my cousins would shed some light on my mysterious grandfather. Was he like the take-out-for-ice-cream kind of grandpa? Come on, girls. No. Oh, no. It's grandpa. Come sit on my lap and no. read your story.
2: No. I mean, I just remember him coming over for holidays and him driving that, like, big car.
1: I always had Cadillacs. Yeah. I always had Cadillacs.
2: I feel like I always remember him in, like, a button-down shirt or a suit or something. This like, idea of a weekend party. was He'd... some
0: kind of a flyaway shirt. Yeah. And a bolo tie.
2: Yeah, like really? he oh, yeah. sport coat on.
0: A little leather and like, bolo tie. I'm going damn. Are well, you gonna blow the air? <laughs> well, I'm gonna do something.
2: Like he was never the type that he never wore just a plain old t-shirt. Like, I oh, wear. I would see like every it's picture. Yeah, every every picture t-shirt, I think I've he ever just seen.
0: had sleeveless t-shirts. You know, that's all
1: he had. I just so, always
2: remember him being dressed up. He always looked yes, dressed up. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. not a real casual. Was he
1: talkative thing. with you two? Like, tell me about school. Uh, he
2: probably, I don't know. I'm sure we did like, kind of yeah. chat. I don't know, a little bit. But
1: did he seem very interested in knowing you and and knowing what you're doing? And I can't wait to go see you cheer, Nicole. And oh
2: no, mm-hmm. oh no, no. Mm-hmm.
1: So now my my mom's dad was the guy who would sit in the corner and not talk to anybody. It was awkward. Mm-hmm. He was an awkward guy, but mm-hmm. so. He was chatting with her. He wasn't necessarily really interested in, in you girls. But, but he
2: would chat with the adults, right?
0: Yes.
1: Social guy. Well,
0: small talk. I mean, yeah.
1: wasn't the center of attention by
0: any
2: means.
1: or cracking jokes like... Uh,
2: like you. Like people. you.
1: <laughs> so he was not cracking jokes. My dad know. said he had a decent... He liked to laugh, but... oh, well, he's probably laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's not all sunshine and roses. My uncle clearly wasn't a fan of his dad's decision to retire really early from work. Because your dad had to retire, right? Early, because of his blood pressure or something?
0: Yeah, he had blood pressure, and uh, I guess he retired, didn't he? I don't remember that. Well, yeah, that's right, because then he'd be home, Mom would work. Here's Dad at home. We'd I remember eat, it. We'd eat dinner and TV trays. <laughs> Swanson turkey dinners or something, Dad fixed them because we come home from school. What'd your dad do? He doesn't do anything mom would she had two jobs at one time she worked well she was the secretary to the uh, vice president of the grain exchange for general mills and if that wasn't enough then she worked part-time at some temp place would take the bus home and maybe bring chow mein from the nankin on sixth and on sixth street seventh street it was called the nankin wonderful chinese she'd bring it home on the bus
2: I remember, and then you used, to, you used to say, you used to get kind of mad at your dad because you're like, why is mom working two
0: jobs? When oh, he's well, just yeah, and the then time? she had to have a pacemaker put in. Yeah. You know, she she worked hard. And uh, here's dad sitting at home. What was he had doing? had a little yeah. blood pressure. I got blood pressure, I take a pill every day. <laughs> you know, but I... Uh, so what's, the story, like, what what's the, the story there? Like
1: why did, so he he just retired early and then just was hanging out? Yeah, or I guess was he, was he felt like, well, I don't want to have a heart, a heart attack or anything, so I better take it easy. Uh, honey. It'll work. It's just a strange thing for him to, I, I guess at that time guys weren't well, yeah, he's like domestic if they stayed at home. And, yeah.
0: You know, I don't know, it's very strange. I'm sure we were uncomfortable about it. You know, why is your dad home all the time? So he had a little blood pressure. Who
1: doesn't? Right. <laughs> By this time, we were all getting comfortable. So I figured I better bring up the elephant in the room. You know, how the guy we've been talking about disowned my side of the family over a birthday card. I've waited all these years and flown across the country. I just couldn't wait any longer to hear the other side of the story. But I have to tell you, I was completely unprepared for what I was about to discover. As I know you probably are aware, they didn't talk for, your dad and, and my dad didn't talk for at least a decade. Mm-hmm. No, see, so I didn't
2: realize so that. Dad didn't know that.
1: You didn't know that? No. Okay.
2: So when, would, when did they not talk for 10 years?
1: Um, well, that's so that, that that's the odd story. After of, we put him in the nursing thing.
0: home, they still didn't talk? That was the
1: first time they spoke spoken over a decade. You heard that right. My uncle had no clue that his brother and his dad didn't speak for at least a decade. You heard me stumble for words as I processed the implications of this and began to explain the story. I had entertained the possibility that my uncle and cousins didn't know why the disownment occurred. But I never imagined, in my wildest dreams, the entire disownment was an unknown thing to them. Did my grandfather really never bring it up? Did my dad really never mention this to his brother? Was their communication that sparse and empty? Here's what happened as I wrapped up the story they were hearing for the very first time. You gotta recognize both boys. You can't just recognize one of the boys. And so they sent him a letter. And they never talked again.
2: Oh,
1: that was it. And, and so <coughs> Why my, did
2: he write a letter versus call? I
1: have no idea, but I think yes. I think part of that is my dad is kind of like how you describe your father, where like he's just he has a high IQ, but now we'd use EQ, right? He just doesn't know how to talk emotion. He doesn't know how to like the word I, the words I love you. Well, he'll say it, but it's hard for him. <laughs> he does. he's not I don't know if you struggle in that area or not well oh, sure at
0: times yeah absolutely. so
1: I don't know why he didn't call isn't that odd I, mm-hmm. and so I said well you have to qualify this what do you mean you never talked again they're like we never heard from him and I said did you give him a call uh, yeah, they're right. like,
0: like is he dead or alive or you know
1: <laughs> and, and they it sounds like they just kind of were like well that's extreme that's weird Mm-hmm. And then just life kept moving, because mm-hmm. I don't think your dad and my dad were real close ever. I don't think your dad was close to anybody, you know, like a, because you described him as a grandpa. It's not like, yeah. how are you, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is me mm-hmm. c- with conjecture now. And so I said, "Did you send him cards?" My mom was like, "I'm sure we did." Did he ever send cards? Nope.
2: So he never sent another card after. Never, one. never
1: mm-hmm. heard from him again. Never talked to him again. The next time my dad. Talked to him was after you guys moved him to a nursing home. He mm-hmm. didn't know who my dad was. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Which is like a horribly tragic story.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because right. at
1: least a decade went by. And I remember just being confused at, at Grandpa's wake like, well, what is this? Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What in the world? And so mm-hmm. I tried to piece together some of the things because it doesn't make sense to me. And I've, I've tried to get them to explain it on their perspective. I don't know his, Like you must obviously. be
2: like, there's a piece missing. There's got to be. Like, Something that it explains it. Does, yeah, like it doesn't add up.
1: No, it sounds like my parents just kind of were busy with the kids, you were busy with the girls, and they just kind of... Let it go. Let it go. And what, what I, I did ask, I was like, so do you regret this at all?
2: Yeah, that was probably <laughs> my question.
1: At this point, I thought it would be important to share some information with my uncle and cousins that I haven't shared with you yet. It's about regrets and whether my parents had them about this whole mess. Here's what they said in their own words. Well, you know, in hindsight, if we had known the reaction, I'm sure we would have done something different. But it certainly wasn't a
0: reaction that I anticipated, so.
1: Yeah, um, I wasn't a real Christian at the time. and I hope that if I had been, I would have acted differently. Um, I regret that I was so insistent about it. The age that you kids were at at the time, it would have been easy to not, to work around it. And, um, I wasn't capable of doing that at the time. Um, and I really regret having been the cause of that break in the relationship. Maturity in Christian faith is a long, laborious, never-ending process. All followers of Jesus go through it. In that sense, my mom's change of heart over time is understandable. My uncle and cousins took it all in quietly. The tragedy of the whole thing hung in the air. What could they say? It was time to test my theories, remember? The inheritance check, the disappearing train set, and the unnecessary road map. And so I tried to go backwards and try to piece this together, right? So there was a couple of things that I thought maybe, I don't want to ask you about that. Maybe would explain some tension there. Okay, so your mom passes away. My parents said that your mom had a, had a checking account your dad didn't know about. And so the two of you <laughs> received a check for $500 from a bank randomly. Do you remember this? No. Or at least our dad did. He didn't remember this. Well, as well the brother, but my mom like did. Bill and yeah. So like, so like you and my dad received a check because your mom had written you guys in as the, uh, you know, beneficiaries of her account, and five hundred bucks in like the seventies was a big deal.
0: I big guess. deal,
1: now. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were a poor young young couple, and so they figured out what happened, and so I guess they called your dad, and they were like, "Wow, this is great. Thank you so much for this." And he goes, um, "You're gonna need to give that to me." No. Really? He asked for the money back. Who wrote the check? It came from the bank. But he said, (gasps) you need to give this to me. It's mine. Did he really? I mean, that'll piss you off. I'm not quoting him here, but essentially, (laughs) he asked for it back. However, he did it. Oh, Oh, god! And so, my parents were offended by this, obviously. But then, I guess, to make it even more awkward, your dad wrote them a check for $500. Later, gave it back to him and said, spend this wisely. So thing. your mom
2: and dad did end up giving the, the They back? got it.
1: So they gave it back, and then yeah. he gave it back again.
2: Oh, okay. And
1: said, now spend this I watch." I must it. not give it, it back.
2: Yeah, you must not. I don't even remember.
1: You don't remember that? No. But how do we know that Tom got... We don't know, know it but you got a check. Just dad was the beneficiary. Well, I, I didn't get a five hundred. I got a thousand. I need any... You liked it. better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Tommy was a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I must say, five hundred dollar check. I had to remember that. I mean, unless Diane took it right away.
2: Yeah, maybe she snagged it.
0: Well, and it, it was a long. <laughs> but time. But don't you think your she dad would have
2: it. said, like, if he asked for it back from your dad? I wondered if
0: the other one got it. Like, right?
2: wouldn't he have said something yes. to you? Wouldn't, you know yes. what I mean? Like, would
0: think so. like yeah. hey,
2: did you get five hundred dollars in the mail? That's my money. Or uh, give it back to
1: me. Or, I Must say, I don't. Get it. Does, does that shock you that your dad would do that? You're like, I can't believe my dad did that. That's pretty sad. Word back so but it seems like you're a little surprised by it though it's not like it was in <laughs> character for him to go oh uh, yeah give me that it's mine yeah that is surprising i mean that's
0: that's not right
1: well as you can see men in my family use humor to break tension but the mystery thickens either my uncle didn't get an inheritance check or he doesn't remember is it possible that my grandmother made my dad the only beneficiary of an account Could it be that my grandfather only asked for the money back from my dad? Or is it something time caused to slip from my uncle's mind? I'll never know. The one revelation I can cling to in this is that he thinks it was out of character for my grandfather to do something like that. It was on to theory number two, the disappearing train set. The other one is what what happened to the train set? I wish we still had it. I think we sold it off piecemeal of or sold it
0: as a, a group of. I mean, these are full-size cars. My dad had the plywood in the basement. Very well done. I heard it was Everybody crazy. we played down there, and these things. I mean, they're good size. And each year we get a car for Christmas, and locomotives and the smoke coming on and you drop a pill in, it. and we had the controls like this. Wow! So it was a big deal. The kids came over all the time played And you remember it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played down there. And
0: uh, took up most of the basement on that one side. And the other side were the wash tubs and the freezer. It was very cool. I mean, those were nice gifts to get every year. Had fun with them. And
1: I don't know. I think we... Was it in the attic or something when he passed? Or where, where no, was it? Oh, I
0: don't know if it was an estate sale or what we did. But I think we sold it. Uh, we had somebody come downstairs and look at it. They just said, oh, yeah, I'll take this. And I, must, I must certainly be involved with it. And I don't remember. As Who I was bought it, how much offered. we got for it, but I, I don't even remember. It was well, and, and the reason I was thousands of dollars for the cars.
1: The- well, but the, the reason I ask is because as I was trying to figure out what took place, one of the things that my parents remembered was when we were little, they went over to see him, obviously little because they didn't talk for some years, um, and my mom or dad or one of them said something to him like, cause I guess he wasn't using it much later on, I don't know what was going on, old, he's getting yeah. old. Yeah. And so she goes, they were like, well, you know, Tom's got two girls. We got two boys. Maybe your, you know, maybe your grandsons would like to have some of the train set or something. And, you know, it's a little forward to ask him for the train set. But they essentially asked him for it. And I guess the next time they came over, it was gone. I don't know. Like packed oh. up. I don't See, I don't remember. So he had packed it up? To put it. Somewhere. This is the story that my parents gave me. And I have no memory oh, of this. Wow. Wow. And now... Yeah. My my mom and dad didn't say these but things happened and true therefore if it was
2: still set up when well, somebody came to look at I, it. Again I say that. Or maybe it was in the attic I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't I must say I
1: I don't remember. I had one more theory to test, the unnecessary roadmap. And then the little one I remember too is I guess when my parents moved to Burnsville, they invited him over for a birthday or something, birthday party. And my dad gave him directions. I thought this was odd. So he apparently was not satisfied with those, so he went to AAA and got a triptych to drive
0: <laughs> from from his house well, to Minneapolis. The radius was... of our world wasn't past 50 in France. I mean, you know, doing in well, Burnsville? Yeah, that's true. Come on. I mean, so Queen, that'd be forever. Queen Anne, Anne Kittyland was, what, 494 in France? I mean, our world was so small back then. So that wasn't weird. Oh, I can see him getting lost in Burnsville. Oh, sure. But then to go to trip...
1: Well, I've got to get a triptych. Okay. What's a
0: What's You don't even know what we, they are. We, we, we yeah, had them wonderful. as a kid
1: when, when we went, went <laughs> out east. It's like a map where someone highlights for you in oh. the route, and then you flip oh, the page. Yeah. It's almost like
0: GPS, and you just yeah. turn a page, and here I am. And I, they're wonderful. Like he went and
1: had yeah. a map professionally created for him to, to get, get to, to our house. Can you imagine? And me? so it's either he's that uncomfortable driving and with directions, or he, he didn't trust my dad's directions. I don't know which one it would oh, be. Oh, I think oh. he was uncomfortable driving. I, that must have been what it was. Oh, yeah. He didn't know how to get there. You know, I felt really good about those theories when I developed them. Didn't they sound like they made sense? At this point, all three are either partially deflated or completely irrelevant, or worse, just unanswerable. What's left? Grasping for answers, I cut right to the heart of it. So did he ever say things like, so so what's Bill up to? Or what are the grandsons doing? No, didn't come up. Mm-mm. So he didn't ever ask about us, or, no. or or you didn't, or Diane didn't say like, "What are you doing, Tom Senior? You guys got to work this out."
2: Well, maybe Mom would say something like
1: that. <laughs> oh, she would say, "Yeah." I mean, she didn't
0: hold back. That's good. But, yeah. Uh, so uh, I...
1: Doesn't I, <laughs> 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 it strike you as odd? Oh, yeah. I don't
0: remember any of that
1: either. Yeah. Does it surprise you, though, about you? Like This is what I'm trying to figure out about, about your dad. Like what, what is it about a guy? I mean, for my own dad, even. So like, insular. Okay I mean, he didn't this?
0: ask about anybody else, and he didn't seem to show any emotion about it. And then,
2: uh, Oh, right, to see if he'd be like, hey, have you talked to Bill lately? Yeah, yeah like, how's
1: he doing? He never asked about us. I wish I knew why. I was hoping for a dramatic revelation. A simple explanation, perhaps. No dice. But after reconnecting with my uncle and cousins, I walked away with conflicting emotions. First, they're wonderful people. It was uplifting just to spend a few hours with them, and trust me on this. You'd want to have them as your friends. And yet, I also walked away heartbroken over all the lost years of not knowing them, over how much I really don't know them now. But that's not all I walked away with. I've got three new clues on my journey towards making sense of this seemingly unexplainable disownment and familial separation. First, the phone call my grandmother unexpectedly passed away at the age of 60 on December 31st, 1975. I asked my uncle about it, and he shared his memory of that terrible day. Now listen carefully. I didn't pick up on this small detail until I went back to put this podcast series together.
0: Then I get a call New Year's Eve of 75, whatever it was. We are in this our first little house <coughs> in Alabama and having a New Year's Eve party. Get a call all of a sudden. we well, Gotta go to California. And I remember I said, "Well, I don't have any money. It's midnight." <laughs> it's <laughs> 75. It's New Year's
2: Eve. You're probably drunk. <laughs> well,
0: friend of mine, friend of mine was there, Jack Sletton, He gave me a hundred dollars, and I, you know he had money on him. And I said, "Okay, thank you." And that's when I called Bill, and we had to hop a plane to go to San Francisco to help my dad and bring her back. And she was dead.
1: Is your dad pretty torn up about that?
0: Yeah. As little emotion as he shows, I mean, uh, but it, yeah, it it moved him.
1: My dad doesn't remember much of it either. He said he he, he remembered your dad calling a friend, and he broke up a little bit, cried a little bit, but that's the only time he showed emotion about it. I would agree. Did you hear it? Let's zero in on the specific detail.
0: That's when I called Bill, and we had to hop a plane to go to San Francisco to help my dad and bring her back, and
1: she was dead. Could it be that my dad found out his mother unexpectedly passed away on the other side of the country from his brother? Now, my uncle's words don't necessarily mean this is the case. After all, he could have simply been calling my dad to coordinate flights to California. So I texted my dad to see whether my suspicions were correct. Unfortunately, I was right. My dad received two phone calls at work the day his mom died. One was to let him know that his mom had a heart attack on the plane ride back from Hawaii and that she was in bad shape. The second call broke the tragic news that she was dead. Now, one of the calls came from his brother, and the other came from his Uncle Marshall. He's not 100% sure who made which call, but he's confident about one thing his dad didn't call. Is that what you would do if your wife died? Have one of your kids break the news to the other kids? Now, don't get me wrong, it'd be the hardest phone calls of my life, but I'd insist on telling all of my children about it personally. It's the terrible but undeniable responsibility of any parent. I know. It's a little thing, but from what you've already learned, doesn't it sound a little bit consistent in terms of my grandfather? There seems to be this thread woven through his life of not being too concerned about other people. The second clue flings open the curtain of my grandpa Tom's Alzheimer's disease. All I've ever known about it was the crisis incident that ended up necessitating him being admitted to a nursing facility. As it turns out, there were many other symptoms and incidents.
0: We could tell he was really going, or I could tell. Remember, we went over to the Bigelow's for a dinner over just south of Lake Tacoma, sir. My dad was supposed to drive over because he was living at 3940 Chum, my house, he used to live Where's dad? Uh, I don't know where he is. So I went out looking for him. He was driving. He was coming down 54th. All hmm. the way across, and finally, kind of tease up like the lake that goes. He was lost. He didn't know where anything was. Did he but recognize he- you? Yeah, but it—you uh, could tell it. But anyway, my next former next-door neighbor, Joyce Schweiberger, very nice lady, would keep me up to date on what's going on. She goes, uh, "I don't. Your dad's down in the corner. He thinks the bus is there." Okay. Just standing on the corner,
1: waiting for the bus.
0: Yeah. And uh, some guy was over trying to uh, literally sell him siding or something when he was there by himself. He just had the house painted. This guy was putting pressure on. Me. He had talked to Joyce. Oh, gee, a guy just came by. He's very nice. He goes, put siding on. She goes, Tommy just had the house painted. Then you knew there was something going. On. I mean, my dad needed needed help. And, you know, I'd go through the checkbook. I was a co-signer, and I'd see all these entries to you know. Uh, vfw or some or, um, some donation five dollars here $5, i mean 10 entries five dollars each and uh you know there are telltale signs you can tell when someone's gonna lose it. and uh, so i had to get a lawyer and and uh, become the executor uh, of his person and the estate because that's the only way you can commit somebody. Mm. And. Uh, was responsible for paying the bills and blah 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 and uh, yeah you just go i'm afraid the stove's gonna be on he's gonna kill himself and that's when you knew you had to get him committed and uh, but he didn't do that willingly I, I would say no but he didn't know what was going on Look, i took him downtown to the hospital and it was all pseudo appointment because he went upstairs to a shrink and they Asked him the appropriate questions, you know, who's the president? How did you get here? And he couldn't answer anything appropriately. They said he's not leaving the hospital. I had to go out of town for a show or something. Bill <coughs> was very instrumental in getting, with the help of a social worker, trying to find a place for him. And that's where he was. But when you first put him in the place, I remember he uh, would go, well, is this my home now? Yes, Dad. This, well, I, I'll i get my suitcase. I want to go back home. How far is that from here? Oh, I know, about 20 miles, Dad. He goes, okay, that's okay. He kept thinking he didn't realize it was permanent.
1: By far the most jarring revelation had nothing to do with my grandfather. The third and final clue in the breakdown of my family relationships was actually about my dad. Without any prompting, out of nowhere, my uncle revealed decades of hurt he'd been feeling. Yeah. Were, they, were they close, your dad and his brother? Not to my knowledge.
0: So it runs in the family, then.
2: <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> no, you and your brother.
0: Well, yeah, gosh, I mean, it's <laughs> terrible. We haven't talked in a long time. I, I'll tell you too. I, I really uh, got upset. Uh, Diane and I took care of my dad, mm-hmm. and cleaned the house up and got it ready. And where was Bill? I, uh, he never asked. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do? I really took offense to that, and it's one of the things, you know, I'm a big boy. You know, I should I should have called your dad years ago and said, hey, come on, let's, let's sit down and let me tell you my problems and why I don't talk to you. But um, I, uh, geez, we were working one day, cleaning dad's bathroom up for sale, and oh, Diane worked her butt off in the tub. and all, You know, anyway, just getting the house ready for sale, and mm-hmm. think about it now, it's so easy to sell it, 105000 had well, they go for two three hundred thousand in the neighborhood now well not one oh, well, I was telling oh okay. <laughs> right but it just wasn't any big deal it sold so quick and um well and then we divided of course I put the money in the checkbook or something and we each got 50 percent well bill kept asking where's the money where's the money <sighs> what well I maybe I'm still trying to figure this out and uh, it really upset me and, uh, where's the money? What am I getting my check? I went, take it easy. Maybe I'm still grieving a little bit. You know, I don't know what it was, but I, you know, I was probably pretty screwed up at the time anyway, and I still am, but uh, I mean, it's terrible to not see all you
1: kids grow up and talk to them. My heart was racing. I had no idea my uncle was holding on to hurt for 30 years. I was so focused on my grandfather disowning us that I hadn't even considered what this reality had done to the relationship between my dad and his only brother. And the man he was describing doesn't sound anything like my father. The dad I know is selfless, hardworking, ready to help, an all-around incredible guy, but I get it. From my uncle's perspective, his feelings are valid. It makes sense. If I were in his shoes, I'd be hurt too. Interestingly, my cousins seemed caught off guard by all this as well. I don't think they ever heard this from their dad before. We were all uncomfortable enough in the moment that we drifted to another subject pretty quickly. You know, the whole doll and humor thing. But there was more to say. My cousin Kelly brought us back to the issue at hand with a question for my brother and me.
2: Well, I was going to say, has your dad ever mentioned to you guys or said anything about why him and dad don't talk? Like,
1: we've asked over the years, and because we've asked, I don't think there's ever really an answer. We've there's never really, really a good answer. I don't answer think there's
0: like because I don't feel like there is a
1: reason.
2: Because my mother in law always goes, oh, "Well, what, what do you mean? Your uncle Bill lives in Burnsville, and your dad doesn't see him, and he lives in Burnsville." <laughs> and it's just like it's like appalling, poly- you know. Because my mother in law is like, mm-hmm. "Miss, she has more of a social life, I think, than yeah. I do." But yeah. it's like,
0: well, she's always told, like, "Oh my As gosh, I told, else always I really, you know, I, I'm a big boy and I can pick up the phone, but I. Yeah. I, I think I became so distant after he died in the house. And yeah. No involvement on his part. And uh, yeah. I, I guess I took offense to that. And, uh,
1: I don't blame you for that, Tom. And, it is offensive.
0: Uh, that's, I think, really why I haven't talked to him. And it's criminal because, uh, come on, Tom, get over it. Just get over it. You know, Diane and I go, where's Bill? I mean, we're out raking when it's snowing, literally, and uh, moving snow and cleaning the house. And, you know, I didn't expect him to be shoulder-to-shoulder with me, but never got a call. Can we help you with the house? What's going on? Uh, I don't know. We just seemed to be alone taking care of his person or his estate. And um, You were. And I was, and uh, I I resented that, and um, shame on me. But... uh, well, Does it's mean not you can't serious. pick up the phone and talk to your brother about it and get it over with. And so I've, because of my attitude, I've always felt that I've restricted the girls in seeing their cousins. No one's seen anybody. No one knows what's going on. Uh, they got dis- for Facebook. Dis- yeah, praise the <laughs> Lord, yeah. <laughs> I mean, distant relatives, I mean, it's yeah. a crime, and uh, it's not right. And, uh
2: I know, because I was telling my kids, and I'm like, well, Jacob and Brian are my only cousins on, you know, Grampy's side, you know, where they've met my big old cousins, mm-hmm. and they've been to Mark and Tina's house, and, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll say, well, this is my cousin John or Joe or Cassie, you know, and then they'll, they'll hear about all these other cousins, and, and then they were like, who, oh, you have a couple more cousins? I know, and know, like, Diana's like, whose house are you going to? Yeah, and then I'm like, well, we'll have to see him. <laughs> I'm just like, That's and I'm too like, bad. I know, and I'm like, and Jacob doesn't even live that far. <laughs>
1: My faith made me feel compelled to be a mediator of sorts in this moment, so I stumbled into a feeble attempt. Mm -hmm. But I I get it from your perspective, Tom, I mean, I get it. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not certain my dad is capable of, and not in like a, he's dumb, but like I don't know that he has the, the capacity to be able to call and say, Dad, let's talk. Like, I just don't think that's who he is. I mean, he, like you said, he wrote a letter to his father instead of calling him. And be like, Dad, yeah, what are you right. doing forgetting the cards? That's crazy. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Which could
1: it could have been over in a few minutes. But, mm-hmm. like, I just don't know that he has the EQ to be able to even, like, I don't even know if he knew that you were doing stuff alone that he would have known how to call and ask. It goes both ways. Is that fair, do you think? You no, know, it goes both ways. How about or it Or even,
2: like, now, like, today, like, in you know, just calling. Or just say, hey, what's going on? I know it's hard, right? But every day
1: it goes by, it's just a little more awkward, you know? Oh, yeah.
2: Did you say sometimes you guys do, like, send an email or no to Bill? Or no, I can't remember what you said. No,
1: No, I don't even know if I have Bill's email address. Did you let that sink in? He doesn't even have his only brother's email address. So here I am. I didn't solve anything. And now I'm left with even more layers to the mystery and newly discovered pain. If only I could track down someone else who knew my grandfather, someone else with insights into his life and his personality. But how in the world can I do that when my dad only had one brother and both of his parents have been dead for decades? Well, I found a way and I'll explain in the next episode.